looking at verse 7. Last week, uh, Paul was um, speaking to the Corinthian believers about uh, the reality of uh, the warfare that we fight, that our weapons are not to be carnal but spiritual because the battles that we fight are not carnal or fleshly but spiritual. And to get your eyes on things that matter and and to fight the battles where you're effective and and not to fight flesh with flesh. And so uh, he's kind of continuing on with that because... Because the Corinthian church was so prone to go back to the flesh. Carnality means flesh, right? And they were prone to constantly going back to carnality. They're prone to constantly going back to the way it's been, the way the world is, and and the value system the world has. And and they've dealt with, Paul's had to deal with that because they've even despised him. And we're going to see a little more of that this morning. Uh, Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you so much for just being able to gather here together um, with this group, this church. We're thankful for this church, for each person here that makes it up. And we thank you for uh, the kids that are next door here. And and, uh, we pray that you would bless that time as well, God. But we pray you'd speak to us by your spirit, through your word, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we'd be able to understand what you're showing us. Our hearts would be receptive towards you. And... um, we would just allow you to move in, in our midst in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, at the end of uh, the section we were going over last week, verses 1 through 6, Paul was really encouraging them to be able to bring their thoughts into captivity, to bring their thoughts into check, uh, to, to not allow their thoughts to go astray, which in, in turn leads everything sideways, right? If your mind goes somewhere, your body follows, right? If your eyes go somewhere, your body follows. And so he's been encouraging him the battle of the minds and, and to not see it again carnally or fleshly, but to see it spiritually and to have our minds refreshed and renewed uh, by the word of God. By, by, as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, he, he, we're not conformed to this world, but we're, we're changed and, and we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we have new minds, we have new hearts, we see things the way they really are. Because we're we're missing out if we think it's only what we see here on this earth. You can see the people around us and the the society around us, all they can see is what's around them, and all they have is solutions based on those things. So how does that work out? Well, you got flesh trying to fix flesh, and it just doesn't work. And we can try every little thing, and we think we can do this or do that, and it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't work because the real problem is spiritual. And so Paul's been speaking to that, speaking to their mind, and that's going to continue on here. Verse 7, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Uh, if anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Don't look to the outward. It's again to the flesh. It's what's in front of you. It's what's most obvious, right? Usually if there's like a riddle or something like that, you, you've got to think below the 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 surface They're magicians, whatever they're always using the surface right in front of you stuff to conceal the bigger thing underneath. And you've got to have the right mindset to understand that. So if you're thinking like riddle mode. You're like, it can't be the obvious thing. 
You know, it's got to be something else. There's got to be something else going on. I was reading an article about um, uh, Kyler Murray, right? He's the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was Heisman Trophy winner for uh, Oklahoma and uh, was also a professional he was drafted as a professional baseball player for the Oakland A's. So he could choose whatever he wanted. This guy's got it going on, okay? He's like the best at football, the best at baseball. What do you want to do with your life? It's like Bo Jackson, basically, right? And so they, they, one of the articles was talking about one of the keys to his success. And one of the keys was that in fourth grade, he was introduced to chess. And, you, you know, it seems like a boring, nerdy game. Uh, it's... So fun. I really like it, actually. I've been getting into it, play it with Canon. But uh, he was introduced to it, and they said a lot of the reason he's so good at making decisions on the field is because he has this foundation in chess. And it, when you're playing chess, what happens is a lot of times people will make a move that looks like a mistake, but it's really just a bait. It's a trap. They've entrapped you. To, oh, good, you got my pawn. That's great. And I just took your queen. You know, like, and so you, you learn to see things strategically and football is very much like that, right? So you have like a safety that's acting like he's doing one thing or a linebacker is acting like he's doing one thing. And then all of a sudden he does something different and you threw it right into his hands. And so there's this whole mental thing that goes on. See dumb football players. It's a little more involved than you think, right? Uh, there's especially at the quarterback position, they actually test your IQ. They want to know how smart you are to be able to play quarterback because it's like a full on chess game that you not just move the piece. You have to throw the piece into the right spot. And he credits this to chess. Well, great. So everyone go buy a chess board and learn how to play chess. No, that's not what it's about, but it's about thinking beyond what you see on the surface, looking beyond that. And now if we're Christians, we know there are definitely more things going on than what meets the eye. And we know that that the symptom is one thing, but the problem is something much different. We all know this, right? There's something much bigger going on here. What's, what is it? We know it's a spiritual matter. And so Paul is encouraging these carnal, they, they struggle this way, this, the, the carnality of the Corinthian church. Because they look at the outward appearance. And one of the ways that they look at the outward appearance is literally in the, the Apostle Paul himself. What do you guys think Paul looks like? Does anybody know? Have you ever seen him? No, we don't know for sure. There's actually some historical records of what he was known to look like. And uh, I found this in a commentary I thought was interesting. This is the description uh, from an early writing about uh, the year 200. So it could get passed along. It might be a little exaggerated. I, I, I heard one uh, person say that he may have been under five feet tall. Actually, the Apostle Paul, which is nothing wrong with that. But it, it, it's, it's when they're looking at stature and you're looking at this bold leader. There, you see someone who's like four foot eight and it's, you know, you're thinking, interesting. Let's find out more about Paul. A man of small stature with a bald head and crooked legs. In a good state of body with eyebrows meeting. That's a unibrow. And a nose somewhat hooked. So they had a little bit of an issue with uh, the way he looked. They had a bit of an issue with 
um, respecting who he was, right? And another thing, I, you know, sports really is the, the key to life. But I was listening to uh, a radio thing about the, something called quarterback face. That all quarterbacks are good looking. And people follow them because they're good looking and they're tall and they're this and that. It's like, well, it's got to be more than that, obviously. But they say there's something about that, which is crazy, right? Well, we'll think about a lot of the big celebrity type churches. What do the pastors look like? Like they look like models, you know, like Chuck Smith did not. Okay. So that's good. We're in that, you know, camp. Which is awesome. It was the Lord, you know. But, but it, this was not like a situation. That's the world, what they're looking for. Oh, someone I want to be exactly like and look like and talk like. And as a, as a deep resounding voice and is ready to lead. You know, Paul didn't really look like that. You kind of get in the picture. Uh, potentially like a four foot eight unibrow crooked, you know, like. Paul, I heard at one point they said uh, a very gray beard. They're just picking on Paul, you know. It's like I'm sure he had some good attributes. Did he have some piercing blue eyes? I don't know, you know. You didn't put that in, did you? You know. But he says, "Do you look at the things according to the outward appearance?" If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. We are all on the level playing field under Christ. And he is the one that gives us value. He is the one that gives us our influence and gives us basically the, the jobs we've been set out to do. Paul had been given the authority by Christ and that is all that matters. Nothing else. It's the great equalizer. God could use whoever he wants to use, and he does use those people. Not many noble, not many mighty, right? God uses the weak things, the foolish things. Another thing about Paul is it's thought of that he could have been extremely ill too. And we're going to see they're not impressed with the way he actually talks. They don't like the way he talks. He's got a weird voice. Wouldn't that be weird? It kind of like messes up your mind a little bit about Paul. Because you all think about someone you know named Paul from when you were younger, you know. Oh, yeah, that's Paul. Paul's a good guy, man. You see him and you think he's got this, he's like dynamic. And then you hear his voice and you're like, oh, man. That's what it sounded like? Well, it doesn't matter. It's not what he's saying. It's who's saying it through him and and what is is being said, said, not who is saying it. In and of himself, got it. Okay, and that's kind of like we were we were talking about yesterday, even in in uh, Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah seventeen, like curses a man who thinks that your strength is your like that that is your value. That's who you are. Who puts your trust in your own strength and the strength of men? It's not about you. It's about him. Our weapons aren't carnal, but they're spiritual. And we're all level in Christ. For, uh, verse 8. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed. He's like saying, even if I'll boast about the fact that you guys are my ministry, this church is my ministry. I'm called to you. You might not like it. Doesn't matter. You're still my church. <laughs> I'm still called here. 
And even though you don't like it, all the more reason I'm called here. Because you need to get over yourselves. Because you're not seeing things right. And if you're not seeing this right, then you're not going to see a lot of other things right. So you got to get this. you got to understand this. Remember, Corinth, much like Southern California, is all about image. They love the way they look. They love the... It's like, this guy is bad for business, you know? He's a radio guy. No, he's not even a radio guy. He's a print guy. He should write things. Okay, good. He ended up writing, you know, half the New Testament. But he's like saying, even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification... Here's, here's the key. The authority the Lord gave them brought forth edification. The purpose of it was edification. Not for your destruction. Now, here's the difference. When someone takes authority that the Lord didn't give them, the end will be destruction. Because that authority is something that they wanted in and of themselves to have power. Those who the Lord gives authority to, there should always be a bit of like a humbly, like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I can't believe God is using me. And if you don't think that's Paul, keep, keep on going. We're going to go through the epistles. He just can't believe he's even allowed to be in the room. He is so great, like, just so, like, blown away that he gets an opportunity to minister to people. He's like, I'm so happy I can even do this. What a good way to approach being a Christian and, and the way we walk and everything you get to do, whether, however you're involved in the kingdom of God. And if you're in that place, what will be coming from your life will be edification. Edification is building up. Like edifice, right? It's like it's building up. A, it's building a building. It's strong. So you, you being in the right place, taking on the authority, because sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, I don't want to take authority. That's just not really who I am. Well, if the Lord puts you there, you need to. That's why Paul's not letting this go. <laughs> and that's hard sometimes, right? Sometimes it's easier to say, I'll leave the authority to someone else. I don't want to deal with this. I've tried this. It doesn't work. <laughs> the problem keeps coming back. And usually it comes back worse. And like, it's like grown a few more heads, you know, and it's like, oh, uh, uh, uh. no, you got to take it on the authority that God has given you. But if you think you want to have authority that God's not giving you, you don't want that. What that brings is destruction because it's man centered. But he's saying, I'm not ashamed to say I, I have this authority. God has given it to me. You guys are mine. He gave you to me. And that's always going to be because of him. I'm never going to like think anything of myself, but I'm not going to back down to the task that he has given me to do. Verse nine, lest I seem to terrify you by my letters for his letters, they say are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. That's pretty rough. You think Paul has a heart guys, you know how easy it is to be critical of people. Like it, I, I think, man, what would it be like to actually be a celebrity? Everyone just says the worst, no matter if you're like the best person, like in the whole, all of Hollywood, someone's going to say something terrible about you. And if you just read it, you're going to be, you know, seems like a YouTube video. It might be the best video ever. There will always be downs, thumbs down. Why? 
People are miserable. They want you to be miserable too. Again, talked about this yesterday, Jeremiah 17. These are these shrubs, these desert shrubs that are not connected to water. And so all they do is try to hurt you as you walk by. They're trying to poke you and prick you and cut you. Everything in the desert is trying to kill you. There's nothing nice there. He's like, oh, you can eat cactus. Well, you got to get rid of all the needles first. It's not, there's nothing ready-made there, you know? Oh, look, there's some water there. No, it, that's just a mirage. You thought so, huh? The fun little trick in the desert, isn't it? But they, so they, they said this about him. They're like, oh, he talks big in his letters. But when he shows up, he's this weakly little guy. And his voice, we don't even like to hear him talk. Corinth loved great orators. They loved people who were good at speaking and dynamic and, you know, all these things. It really brought it home. Paul, you're a little much. And really, looking like that, sounding like that, I don't think you're called. Paul's like, I don't care what you think. And he's going to clarify that he's also maybe four feet tall, but he ain't no punk, you know. (laughs) This was a fleshly way, honestly, of looking at power and authority, though. That's a fleshly way of saying, I look at you, I don't see power, I don't see authority. But God is the one that awards that. We are vessels, we are jars of clay, we're nothing. In and of ourselves, we're nothing. But he's the one that makes us what we are. It's his excellence. It's the power that he gives us. The gospel that brings us back to life. And then the spirit of the living God that gives us this ability to minister and to speak and change and, and grow and, and bring life. And it's all through him. But if you're looking at it from a fleshy way, if you keep on measuring things on a fleshly scale, it, it doesn't work like that. You can't do it like that. You will always miss the great works of God if you're grading it on a scale of carnality. Well, God couldn't use them. God couldn't do that. It doesn't make any sense. Even our own movement, Calvary Chapel, right? What a weird, weird movement the Jesus movement was. Like, we're all used to it now, right? Some of you were lived through it. But you you got this random guy in Costa Mesa... (laughs) who somehow gets a heart for hippies, which is just druggies and, you know, free love. Sorry if that's one of you, but that's what I've learned in history about you. And that's, and that's, that's what it was. And, and, and God steps in and he uses a man. It was not just him. It was many men actually were involved in it. And saw things change. No one saw that coming. No one saw that coming. What's the best way to build a church? Get a bunch of drug addicts who are like also like kind of addicted to sex and bring them in. You know, this will be really good. You know, it should be a good way to start a ministry, I think. You know, what about the carpet? Rip it out. What? Can we just buy that? You know, no, I'm just not really. But you know, that, that's the whole thing, right? All, uh, who saw it coming? It's the great work of God. That's what's so fun, right? Following God, walking with God is like the craziest treasure hunt you'll ever go on. You know, like what is next? What are you going to do next? 
And carnal life is fleshly life. It's actually pretty predictable to a certain extent, you know, uh, things come that are really hard and, but you, you kind of know it with wor- the way it works. It's like uh, death leading to death, leading to death. God could take a really bad situation and flip it and make it really, really good. He could take a really downside culture that seems like there's no hope. Oh, this culture is worse than when anyone we ever had before. The gospel is dead. No one's going to church. Boom. Holy Spirit. So we got to be careful how we look at things, what we believe to be power, what we believe to be authority, and to not just look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen or unseen. Below it all, the core, the issues, the, or the root. Verse 11, let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent Such we will be indeed when we are present. You've been asking for me to be consistent with you guys. And I've been pretty sweet overall when I see you in person. But I'm going to go ahead and be the guy that wrote the letters next time. So there's no confusion. I have a feeling Paul would be a rough one to, you wouldn't want that. (laughs) So he's like saying though, I'll be, believe me, I'll be consistent next time I see you. We're going to have a conversation again. Remember this though. The whole point of Paul and his authority, even in this situation, is not to destroy them, but to build them up. And and an unhealthy thing must be purged so that they could be built up, return to health. We've got to get rid of this thing. We have to. It's got to go. I was a kid. I I remember I threw a stick one time when we were uh, in Big Bear or something. I threw a stick as hard as I could. I was trying to break it into a million pieces off a tree or something. And I threw it, and this part of the stick was, it went so deep in my finger. You know, have you ever done that? When you throw, like, the, and it just shoots. I mean, it was, like, nowhere to be found, but it was in there, deep. And I, I, it was the worst splinter I have ever gotten in my entire life, and I couldn't see it. And it was, so I got home, and my dad started, he's like, we got to get that thing out. And I'm like, uh, what? And he says, so he pulls out his tweezers and he starts digging into my finger and he starts digging in and digging in and digging in. And, and he's literally, I mean, he's doing, we're doing surgery in the bathroom, you know, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, no. And I'm like, Oh, I want to keep it. You know, I like it. I like it there. I don't want this thing to be gone. This is part of me now, you know? You know, like I, you know, it's, ah, you know, every time you touch anything, it's like electricity because you got a piece of wood stuck inside your finger, you know? And he's like, no, that's not going to happen. It's going to get infected. All kinds of stuff is happening. But you're like, to deal with the pain is just like way worse than just to have this for the rest of my life. I've decided it. I'm splinter guy. Everywhere we go at parties, it'd be like, do you know I have a splinter in my finger? You're like, I was wondering what was pussing, you know, out. I mean, sorry, guys, but it's disgusting, right? I'm sorry. You can't get this just any church. Um, but but the, I, I, the fact of the matter is my dad had a big picture in mind, and he's like, no, I love you, and so I'm going to hurt you a little more to get rid of the thing that's going to hurt you. Way more than that. And guess what? As soon as he got it out, you put on the magic band-aid, you're back in business. And it took a while, but I, I remember when he pulled it out, I felt it was like, it came out. There it was. I couldn't believe how big it was either, by the way, you know, 
But then he, you know, put some stuff on it, put a bandaid on it. And I was back in business. I'm really grateful he did that. Right? He brought health to me when I didn't even think I wanted it. He said the things to me that he needed to say, even though I wasn't ready to hear him. And, and eventually, he just pinned me down. <laughs> I'm taking it out. And he pulls my, you're like, okay. And you're just trying to like think about all kinds of things. And, but that's, that's what real authority, that's what real power, that's what it can look like. And so if you have people in your life that are telling you things that you need to hear, you should listen to them. God may very well have put them in authority or a place of power in your life for a good reason. To save you. To, to help you with things that you can't, you, don't, you can't see outside of what's going on right now. All you can think about is that it hurts to have something go in your finger. You can't think about the fact that you've got, of course, you've got to get it out. This could lead to like a surgery or something, you know? I, what? I don't know. Like, it could get really bad. So just deal with it. Let Deal with it. Let it go. Be fine. And allow the healing to take place. And then you rebuild. Like, it's like, oh, man, I'm so glad that's gone. Why was I making such a big deal about it? We've all been there. Verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Get all that? You catch it all? No, the idea is that if you, your whole value system is just based on comparisons with other people, this is not wise. Paul's like, I, I'm not judging myself by your people. I'm not commending myself. I'm not trying to make myself something. I know who I am in Christ. And I'm not dealing with your scale or your values or your, none of that matters. We can do better than that. What a word for today, right? You know, because it's so easy to, to think you're nothing or you're something based on little things, what you do, what you don't, you know, don't do. Oh, I must not be like God's part of God's A team because I'm not involved in this or that. Trout said this. Oh, pray to be preserved from this perilous pinnacle of self-exaltation. Look into the perfect law of liberty and draw nigh to God. The nearer we come to God, or come to God, the more rottenness we find in our bones. Right? As we draw near to Him, we see exactly how bad we are. We see exactly how much more we need Him. It's not like you, you're like, I'm drawing near to God and he told me I'm close enough. Take a step back, okay? You're kind of bugging me. You're a little too close here. You're praying a little too much. You know? You no, know, as we draw closer to him, we realize how much more we needed him than we ever even thought before. It's like, I knew I needed him, but now I really know I need him. Verse 13 uh, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. Now, this is interesting, too. Paul's going to bring up this idea of sphere, and, and you've heard of sphere of influence. It means that there's a certain 
amount of people around you that you have influence over. That you have, you can speak into their life. Some it's bigger, some it's smaller. But one of the beautiful things about a sphere of influence is it kind of overlap. And a lot of times the influence you can have on someone, they can have on others. And it becomes, you know, this thing where it just grows and grows and grows. But we're called, and Paul understands, he's not called to save the whole world. You'd almost think that about him. Like, ah, I got to get over here and I got to get over here and, and I got to do this and I got to do this. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm just supposed to do what I'm supposed to do. And I need to not worry about anything else. But you guys are part of my sphere. You're, you're in the circle. You're in my territory. So, you know, that's, that's what that is. It especially includes you. Verse 14, for you are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. I think there's a really good word in there about uh, not that we did not overextend ourselves. We didn't try to make ourselves anything that we're not. Sometimes we can think that like bringing the gospel is like, you know, the more the, you know, we got to do, 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 do. No, you just got to do what God's told you to do. Sometimes overextending yourself will take the good things he's done and, and ruin it. Because you've tried to do more than you were supposed to do. You've moved beyond God's cover. And you're exhausted. and you're, That's always a good sign. Right? Or a bad sign. That you're outside of where you're supposed to be. It's okay. Just be who you are. Don't worry about being someone else. And you will notice that there's people that are more talented around you at certain things. I don't like that. Wish I was better at everything. I'm kind of like that. I mean, to a certain extent, I like, I like being good at stuff. I like thinking I can at least do everything a little bit, you know, but one of the coolest things is like when you let that go, you know, I'm not really that good at that. So go, why don't you go do it? And you're going to save me a whole bunch of trouble, you know, and it's going to allow you to do what you're called to do. And we'll all be healthy. And this is going to be a good thing. So not overextending yourselves. Um, just as he said, we, we're not doing that. He's saying, uh, we're, because maybe they even thought like, you don't even need to talk to us. Paul was like, I planted your church, you know? No, you guys are part of it. They did it. Verse 15, not boasting of things beyond measure that is uh, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. Uh, you know, as, as we're effective in our sphere, there will be more opportunities for like that to grow from there. This is like, you know, when you are able to walk through stuff with someone or you disciple someone in one way or another, or you pray with them and counsel. And then all of a sudden you see them do it with someone else. And it's just like, becomes like this thing where the sphere of influence you had, like the, the Sunday school teacher for Billy Graham, it's a small job, right? Be a Sunday school teacher. Well, you helped encourage um, the greatest, uh, uh, you know, evangelist in the last two centuries or whatever, you know, like, or last century. But you just did a little thing, but you doing what you're supposed to do in your sphere, he caught it. And then he went out and did more. So it's like, 
Even if you think it's small, it's not small. God has it all covered. We just need to stay in our lane. And Paul's saying, I'm in my lane. I'm staying in my lane. I'm not trying to get outside of that. Verse 16, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's fear of accomplishment. I, I don't need that accolade. I'm trying to run my own race trying to be where I'm supposed to be. And that's, it's so good to be, to be there. Just be who you are. Don't worry about somebody else. You don't have to be like them. Just enjoy them being different and weird, um, than weirder than you. And you're also weird, but enjoy that verse. Uh, Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verse one talks about this kind of, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, which so easily ensnares us and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us, run your own race, run with endurance, the race that is set before you. How do you do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before me endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just run the race that's before you. How do you find it? You like all of this. You go back to Jesus. You have a relationship with him. You say, where am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to have Authority and power. What, do, what have you given me to do? What's my territory? What have you called me to? And it might not be a territory at all. It, it will be a sphere. Every, and that's the cool thing is every person in here has a sphere of influence. And no one's is the same. Even siblings, right? So my brother just got married. and I don't know any of his friends. <laughs> we grew up in the same house. It's like he's in Texas. Totally different world, you know? My sister, you know, she, totally different group of friends. Even someone that was your best friend growing up, you have a different group of friends and family. There's just no way around it. Like you're going to have your even spouses, right? Everyone in here is called to a different sphere of ministry and influence. Now, that's great. But it's also a bummer if you're not in it. <laughs> We're all lacking. We're all missing. We're not covering each other. We're not. So that's like a, a call and a cool thing, right? But Paul says this, verse 17, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. The point is to let God do it and give him glory. And, and, and so he wants to remind the Corinthian church, like, you guys don't think that you're judged. Don't think that you're in control. Don't think that it's not about you. It's about him. So all the glory is going to go to him. Every good thing that comes out of my ministry is going straight back to glory in the Lord. I recognize that. I know it's, it's got to go back to him. It's only going to be him. And it's a lot easier to do it that way when the weak is being used. And you go, that had to be God, right? That had to be God. A person can hardly put together a sentence and they just, Preach the gospel, like, so clearly. You know what I mean? Let him who glories glorify glory in the Lord. Verse 18, for we, uh, for not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. We know that. There's all kinds of things about people commending themselves. We don't believe that anymore, right? You know, the best, this person in, you know, the best taco or the best milkshake or the best whatever. And you're like, oh, whatever, <laughs> I know how to spell best too. 
It's not that hard. What says who? And that's why we have Yelp, right? And Google reviews. And especially if you say uh, best, you better be ready to put up because somebody is going to call you on that best milkshake. Yeah, right. You know, even if it is the best milkshake, someone's still going to say that, but you kind of got to round it up. It's like four and a half stars. Mm, sounds good. Let's go for it. It's close enough. I, I, I'll give her a half star of bitterness uh, in just people in general. But there's a value to other people saying your stuff is good, right? There's value to that. I'm thankful for that movement, right? Because it used to be like you just go in blind. Oh, who knows? Where are we at? You're traveling and you're like, we're stopping in this weird town. Which restaurant is most likely for me not to die, you know? And they're like, oh, this one. This one's actually got three and a half stars. Sounds good for out of town. It's good for Route 66, you know? <laughs> That sounds, that sounds fine. We'll go for it, you know. But it's, it's not us who commend ourselves. That means nothing. Words are cheap. People are promoting themselves constantly. They're all about themselves. Yeah, that's not... I'm used to people doing this. We all are. We've all been sold to our whole lives. Here's the shoes that'll make you faster. Here's the food that'll make you stronger. Here's this. Here's that. Blah, 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 blah. It's not we, it's not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. And, that, and that's where we got to be, right where God puts us. If he puts you there, be strong and know you're there for a reason. You're there for a reason. He's got you there for a good reason. If he's not, you better get out of there. If you just want glory, God does not share his glory. This will not end well. Hughes said, in the Christian church, indeed, self-commendation should be viewed with suspicion as a mark of disqualification. That's a, that's a good one, right? If you see someone peddling themselves, it's like, uh, that doesn't sound right. But the idea is we can be confident and secure in who we are whose we are, and that God has a plan for each person here and now, right now, where we live, where you work. You don't have to get to the better job to where the sphere will start. You don't have to wait till you get married. You don't have to wait till the kids are out of the house. One of the biggest deals is, is right where you're at, in your neighborhood, on the sports team, at the school, wherever it is, you know? And in doing that, we all become part of that, fulfilling what God has called us to do. And you find great joy in that. So walk in that confidence in Him. And if, if there's been people in your life that have authority and are telling you things that are, are good, and, and you recognize people in your life have authority, you can see it. Like God gave them authority to speak into your life. Not like authority to like lord over you, but to speak into your life. Because when they speak to you, you know what they're saying. And you get it. And you know it's, it's good advice. It's trustworthy. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes. But you know. Take that into consideration, right? Like Paul. Let me help you. This is not where you want to be. God has given me to you for a good purpose. 
allow that good work to take place. I think it's a great time. It's the first uh, of the month, so we're going to have communion. Great time to come back to that place, that communion table. And remember again, it is he who did the work. We are all just recipients of what Jesus did on the cross some 2,000 years ago. That it was his body that was broken, his blood that was shed so that we could have new life. And in that new life is a whole new set of plans and a whole new vision and a whole new adventure. But the key is to never keep take your eyes off the fact that he's the one that did it all. He gets all the glory. And so we, we take this, we take this bread and this cup and we celebrate for who Jesus is and what he's done. So we're going to close in prayer and we'll worship. And then um, you can each uh, grab some, bring it back to your, uh, your seat and just do business with the Lord. Lay it all out before him, you know, whatever it is, you know, just being honest and transparent. And then, uh, and we'll worship. And then afterwards we'll pray for Aaron. All right, Lord, thank you so much for your word and the beautiful truths in it, God. And we pray that you would.